This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Today's episode is sponsored by Try Vegan, a meal delivery plan that is 100% heart healthy, plant based made without gluten, oils, or refined sugar. All customers receive eight meals and two sides for only $100 plus $9.99 shipping. They offer an exciting new menu each week that are shipped out on Mondays. Based in New Jersey, Try Vegan delivers north to Vermont, south to Maryland, west to Pennsylvania, includes all major cities such as New York and Philly. There's no contractor commitment, and you all, my audience, can save 25% off your first order. Promo code capital L, capital Y, capital T, capital Y, yoga. That's lit yoga. Website is tryveganmealprep.com. Vince is a friend of mine. He is an amazing human being, and I have this myself. This saves me time and energy, and I get these delicious, delicious homemade meals delivered right to my doorstep. So try vegan yourself. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through safer and smarter movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Today is Wednesday Q&A where you ask the questions and I answer. So I've got some questions here. Let's begin. The first one is from... Monica Holland Yoga. Why do you skip the halfway lift Ardha Uttanasana in your sun salutations? So for anyone who is not as familiar with sun salutations, they are a series of poses that are put together as a way of, as a cycle, kind of a circle, a cycle, a beginning and an end that represents the cycle of the sun. And it's thought that some people practice or should be practicing them as the sun rises as a way of saluting the sun. And they also are known to build heat. So you get the solar effect, the uh, heat and hot effect of the sun because you're moving in a variety of ways to build heat and to get your breath going, your heart, heart pumping and um, build that heat. 
And there's big global movements of the body that include standing in Tadasana, folding forward, which is called Uttanasana, walking or jumping back in a plank type position and then lowering and then coming into cobra or up dog and then back into down dog. And then from down dog, jumping or walking forwards, that would be a full cycle and then coming back up to Tadasana. So what Monica is asking me is, why do I skip the halfway lift Ardha Uttanasana? So in a classical or traditional sun salutation, you would lift the arms up and you kind of arch backwards from standing and then you'd fold forward and, and round the spine and bring the forehead towards the shin. And then you would come into an Ardha Uttanasana, which people say it's like a flat back or a half lift where you lengthen the spine back out and lift yourself away from that folded position before you jump back. And so my, as a physical therapist and neurophysiology um, nerd, I'm always interested in movement patterns that serve us best for creating not only better movement, but instilling good habits. So consistency in how we move is really important. So if we were to move well for five minutes of the day, but really crappy for the rest of the day, those five minutes don't really have a lot of staying power for the neural pathways. They're just going to get lost in the the hardwiring of the other pathways. And that isn't to say that you know, Arda Uttanasana or folding forward and rounding is a five minutes of bad movement. But it's a movement pattern that I'm not trying to teach anywhere else. I'm not trying to fold you forward and have you bring your forehead to your shin and and round your upper back. Most people do that. Very few people have enough of the length in the spine and the openness in the back fascial line, specifically in the hamstrings, calves, and low back to get a full folding in half where you wouldn't see any real flexion in the upper back and maybe in the low back. And the the question I ask is, what is the purpose? What's the purpose of all the different poses and the positions and the transitions? And in sun titations, we're really focused on transitions. We're not like going through a series of poses and holding them that long. It's threading poses together with the intention of moving to create heat. And so that, what I have seen over the years is when I would teach or witness someone else practicing that full Uttanasana and into Ardha Uttanasana, there was a lot of extraneous movement that would happen that would take a person out of a integrated core. And an integrated core means that along the axis of the skeleton in the rib cage, the muscles are all working to hold the axis and rib cage lengthened, meaning held apart, not, not compressed or rounded, and on all sides. So all sides, the whole circumference of the core cylinder. And so when you start doing this like real big standing back bend and then fold forward and flex of the spine and then kind of correct it in Ardha Uttanasana, it seems to be not purposeful. 
and confusing for our neural pathways. And so what I would say is what I want people to do is whenever they're folding forward, quote unquote, whether it's on the mat or in real life outside of the mat, I want them to be moving from their hip joint, which is made to move you trillions of time with a very stable and integrated core. So in essence, Monica, what I'm asking people to do is never leave Ardha Uttanasana. If you think about it, I'm just, you're taking yourself from a standing posture called Tadasana and you're hinging at the hips. And if you get about halfway down, you're in Ardha Uttanasana. And I'm saying, don't let that go. Even as you start to go more toward the floor with your torso, I want you to keep that length in your spine. So when your hands land on the floor, the other thing I teach is the hands come under the shoulders. They don't go back by the feet. So imagine you're standing, and this could be for anybody who is doing yoga or not. When you start to fold, think of yourself as a very like kind of military robot-like creature where you're not going to bend in your back, but keep it lengthened. Because when you fold forward, you've got gravity pushing you down. Your back wants to round. It wants to fold. And what we're actually doing is creating a lot of postural stability by holding that length in the spine the whole way down. And it's super protective to develop those muscles, those postural muscles for the spine. So the long answer to your question is, I want you, I I don't eliminate Ardha Uttanasana. I want you to never leave it. I want you to follow it from Tadasana halfway down as Ardha Uttanasana, and then don't let go of that and go into a full Uttanasana. So one might say, what I don't teach is full Uttanasana. As some people say, oh my gosh, I love Uttanasana. It feels so good for my back. And I think it's great but not in a sun salutation because a sun salutation is you're moving and you're transitioning. And anytime you transition, you need core stabilization. And when you fold forward and you, and you get that little bit rounded experience in your Uttanasana, you are ultimately undoing some of that core stabilization. So I do things like what's called, if you do my classes enough, you walk back from your hands, you walk from down dog, you walk your hands back to your feet, bending the knees as much as you need to. And you're in essentially an Uttanasana there with the knees bent and your belly on your thighs. So you're truly hinging at the hips. And then you can get this amazing back fascial stretch. Your ribs are on your thighs and they're supported and you're, you just breathe into your back. So you walk into it so that you are ensuring yourself that you're hinging at the hips and not rounding or flexing in the lumbosacral joint area, which is a the tendency for a lot of people. And you might not feel it right away, but that's not an area you want to do that kind of flexion in. So there is the long answer. I don't do Uttanasana per se, but I do want you to hold the co-contracted Um, meaning both everything around the rib cage, around the spine is being held strongly and stabilizing as you're moving from standing to a folded forward position. There's a reason for it and that's the reason and it really will keep your entire body happy. All right, the next question is from Mad 
Mads Whitmore, how often to switch up sitting workstations when at home all day? Well, that's a great question. And I, and I went through this a little bit in my, um, in a podcast called how to stay fit at home. So you, you can check that out when that comes out, but essentially you want to be switching positions for a variety of reasons. You want to have one place where you do your work so that your body, your brain, everything is associating work with that one place. Now within that one place, you can move around, you can stand, you can sit, um, you can adjust the height of your lap, where where the laptop is going to be, and you adjust yourself accordingly. So for instance, I might be sitting at my dining room table, but I, that's not where I do my work typically, but let's just give that an example. If I sit at my dining room table, um, I'm going to prop something. I'm going to prop put something underneath my laptop because I want the laptop to be at eye level, and that will keep my head in its best postural alignment. That would probably require for most people another sort source of, of a keyboard, like a wireless keyboard, so that my screen and keyboard, I they're not dependent on each other for the position. Like I can. I can get my screen in line with my eyes without worrying about overly flexing my elbows and and putting some stress on my forearms and wrist. Okay, so that's one thing. But I could also say if I'm at the dining room table, I could take the chair away and do a half kneel or something like that. Or I could sit on a gym ball and just kind of move back and forth and give myself some core stability. Um, It's called perturbation, where I'm just challenging it to activate more. Then I might take my laptop and bring it over to my island and stand for a bit. So it is important to change positions. You might not have to change locations as much, depending on how much room you have in your house and, and what else is going on. But do try and change positions. I often say it's better to change positions every 20 minutes and do five minutes of movement than to wait for these long periods, five or six hours to go by, and then do 45 minutes of movement. It's it's not that you shouldn't do all of it, but realistically, if you if you don't have the time for both, you really need to move more often. That's really how we're hardwired. Um, we we really need movement frequently. So move frequently. And you will find your brain will actually fire better anyway. At, at a certain point from sitting and not moving, you will start to feel dull. You will start to feel distracted. All those are parts, those are all indicators that your brain is not clear. And so movement is just this balancer for all of that. If you need to even do five minutes of movement, do that and you'll find that you'll come back and be a lot clearer. So I think that you should switch it up to the point that you that you need it and most people are going to need to be switching positions about every 20 to 30 minutes honestly all right jess in perito how to get enough movement per day in a new york apartment without any outdoor space so we're talking about this at a time when many of us are at home we have our request to stay at home and for the pandemic, and it's important to do this because that's our part. There's so many people that are working hard out literally in the front lines, helping 
those who are sick and ill. And it's our part to stay at home and, you know, keep everyone as healthy as possible so that we can, you know, keep, keep our, our world <laughs> healthier as much as possible or get back to some kind of normal as soon as possible. And everyone has been doing seemingly a pretty good job of this. And if you are, I don't say stuck at home, but it, you know, if you are at home and you're in a small environment, like in your apartment, without the ability to go outside, you're, you're definitely going to have to get creative. So it's going to be hard to just kind of pace around the apartment because that's going to feel like you are taking lots of small turns and stuff. So what I would recommend in terms of movement is vary it. So can you move? Can you hop? Can you laterally hop? Can you laterally skip? Can you crawl? Can you crab crawl? You know, you know like I used it in, uh, in grade school where you're on all fours and you go crawl backwards. Experiment with how many different ways you can move around your apartment that are not in the form of just walking. You will be surprised at how challenging that can be. And so even if you have a tiny amount of space, try it. Try it if you just do like forward and back. So a lot of times I'll do down dog walking. And I did this a lot when my kids were littler and they loved it. They would participate. And so I'd always tell people like, start doing this. This is so good for your brain. It's so good for your body. And you don't need a lot of space. So say you're in a down dog, just start walking around the room in down dog. Now you have to like look around a little bit. So it's not ideal for your neck, but you're kind of lifting your head and looking around, but you could walk forward. You could walk backward. You could, if you just walk forward and backwards, that's great. If you start walking around and maybe walk in a circle, that's good. But all of that is going to give you a lot of bang for your buck because you've got weight bearing through your hands and your feet. You've got the core stimulated to be firing and you're getting some good movement in. If you want to do like some frog hopping, you know, do that where you put the hands forward and then you hop the feet. Then you can do it laterally where you put your hands. So say if I'm crouched over, I could put my hands to the right side of my legs and then I just hop to the right. So it's like a little primate hop. It's almost like a miniature cartwheel. Think of it, but it's very low to the ground. So all these ways of moving that you don't need a lot of space, but you also just need some creativity. So that's the biggest recommendation I would say. And I, if when I have been in, an, in a tighter area, like if I've been in a hotel room and, and, and have been teaching and I come and I always want to do my own practice beforehand, I just move everything to the periphery. And so I just have at least enough space for a mat and some area around it. And then I will do some good old kinesthetics like jumping jacks and push-ups and burpees and sun salutations to create a lot of heat and then high knees and lateral skips and skater hops and things like that. So I, you can do that in a small amount of space. It's not as, and just put on fun music and just go, 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 go. It's hard when you don't have a lot of space and you're wanting more and you're craving it because there's so many other reasons behind that, the fresh air and the ability to, you know, just keep going without staying in the same place. There's that feeling of like that you're pro- progressing, you know, but, but this is a great alternative. Just get some music on and, and just move. And, you know, at the very least, maybe just dance, not at the very least, but if you're like, really don't even want to follow any of what I just said, put on music and dance, 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 and um, do a little 
yell while you're at it. Get, get rid of some of that tension in your mouth. All right. Somniferous Sam. I love that. Somniferous Sam asked me, can you explain your cue to keep the humeral heads up when transitioning to Cobra? So um, transitioning to Cobra, this is from Plank. When we're lowering, whether we lower the knees first or then, or just lower as kind of like from Plank and bend the elbows and lower, what I will say when you get close to the ground is keep the humeral heads away from the ground. What typically happens is that people will get, say, say they've really got their core engaged, like I was saying at the very beginning about Ardha Uttanasana, they've got the co-contraction and about three quarters of the way down, gravity will really take those humeral heads, which are the rounded upper arm bone part, and start to really dive them down toward the ground unless you very consciously work your back muscles and back of the shoulder muscles and front core to keep them in place, keep the humeral heads in place, which is also called centration. The issue is when you are not aware that you're doing it or you're doing it and you're not aware that it's not a good idea, over time, you will potentially really create some uh, shoulder ouchies, grouchies, and maybe even worse. Because the front of the shoulder, the part that's going to the floor first, only consists of passive structures. Passive structures meaning ligaments and tendons, bursa, things like that, the joint capsule. They're not, it's not the active restraint that you have in muscles. So you have all of these passive structures that your passive restraint structures that you're leaning into and rolling into, and they are not intended to hold your the weight of your humeral head and your body in the humeral head over and over again. So why I tell people to keep the humeral head away from the floor is I don't want you to get in the position where you are putting that strain on those passive restraints, the ligaments, the tendons, the bursa, the capsule, the labrum. You don't have a lot in the shoulder that's helping you out. The hips are also a ball and socket joint. There's a lot more inherent stability there, unlike the shoulder. And the only real stability you're getting is from the back, the back musculature, the rotator cuff, um, the triceps slowing you down, the serratus, which is kind of running from the back to the the side via the rib cage. And so you really, really have to work on not letting those shoulders drop forward. You've got gravity pushing them down. So that's why I say, don't let the shoulders, hold on one second. (coughs) Excuse me. Sorry about that. Don't let the head of the arm bones, those humeral heads, drop down because it's just over time, not a good idea. And then when the humeral heads are already staying up, when your belly comes all the way down, then you just are already, you're already in a little bit of a cobra. And then you just drag your hands back to make those back muscles work even harder, really light them up. So you're not pushing your hands down for cobra, which is often taught you're pulling your hands back. You get that pulling and you light up all those great upper back muscles, which will reinforce the good position for your shoulder joint. And that is so fundamental 
And it is one of the most overlooked movement pattern in a a regular yoga class when teachers do not have the knowledge, the functional anatomy knowledge to know why you wouldn't do that. So think about that. Every time you lower, you you have gravity pushing against you down. You have to pull the humeral heads up so that gravity isn't going to push them down and push them into those uh, passive restraints that are not intended to hold your whole weight as you descend to the floor. So that's all for today. Those were great questions. Keep them coming. You can write me at laura at movementbylara.com or you can leave messages on my Instagram page at laura.hyman. As always, I'm so grateful for you. Please share this with some friends. Please um, rate and subscribe and review. And I would be so appreciative of that. We're doing well with this podcast and I want to keep it up so that I can be of service to you. So if you haven't done that already, please subscribe, rate and review and share with friends. As always, I'm pulling for you. Let's keep pulling for each other, especially at times like these. Thank you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.